uh, which Charles Miller, he was sentenced in 1998 to life without the possibility of parole. There have been two hung juries, a mistrial. There was absolutely no murder weapon presented in court. Carl Hammerley, the firearm and tool mark examiner, signed on September 1998 that all the casings from the gun, which was used to murder Wayne Ward, that were found around the vicinity of the crime, not one of those casings could be linked to Charles Miller in any way. The victim was wearing handcuffs. Blood samples were taken from those handcuffs that he was wearing at the time of his death. And blood samples from the vicinity of the crime scene, absolutely None of the blood DNA evidence could link Charles Miller to this crime. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I'm not going to do a whole lot on this intro. The only thing I'm going to give you is if you're getting something out of what I'm putting out there, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, if you're watching me on YouTube, subscribe to that as well. I got about a hundred subscribers and I'm looking to add some more. There are plenty of ways to help support the show. Uh, if you have money and you can help monetarily, there's definitely opportunities to support the show, either through buying merchandise or going to my PayPal cash app, Venmo. You can tip me there. Uh, if you want to go to Patreon, you can also subscribe there. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting value of, out of what I'm doing, uh, try to return some of that value back uh, in the way of either sharing, telling a friend or a family member about the show, or subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. That helps to boost my numbers and get me more visible on the platform. So that would definitely help me. Uh, today is... November 6th, this episode is about the innocence of Charles Miller. I'm talking to an advocate, Sandy Freeze, and the mother of Charles Miller's 21-year-old son, Michelle Rory. And together, they both kind of explained to me the case, uh, the lack of evidence, um, the fact that he's been in prison for 22 years for a murder that he didn't commit. All of the evidence uh, points to him being 
uh, innocent and not connected to the crime at all. So if you can take a listen, uh, and afterwards head on over to the show notes where you can go to the, uh, you can click the link for the petition to sign and please sign it. The more signatures we get, the more people will start seeing that, Hey, you know, there's a buzz going on about this. And if you're a, uh, a lawyer or somebody in the, uh, Florida area that can help with resources or pointing, uh, Michelle or Sandy in the right direction as to, you know, where to look, uh, they've already, you know, they're already in contact with the innocence project, but I'm sure there's other avenues out there that we haven't touched or we, we, you know, haven't found yet. And if you know of some, feel free to reach out. Uh, both of their emails are, are in the show notes. You know, you can contact me as well. Uh, my information will be in the show notes too. Uh, in my link tree, and that's L I N K T R dot E E forward slash nowhere to go, but up, or you can email me at nowhere to go, but up now at gmail.com. So I think that's about enough of me. Let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I am talking with two ladies um, from which uh, I'm familiar with Sandy. Uh, I know her through some different groups and different or um, things that I'm involved in in the uh, criminal justice reform and prison reform space. And Sandy reached out to me because she needed help. She needed my help in amplifying the signal of an innocent person that's in prison right now and is not getting the, the assistance or the relief that he so desperately needs, um, from the judicial system. And Sandy's here to explain, uh, the case, um, and the situation. And we have Michelle who is, I believe you're his wife, right? Uh, or we're not okay. definitely for sure. You're, you're, you're his loved one who, who, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and the mother of his, uh, uh, 21 year old son, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you're here to help, you know, give your, your take on the, on your experiences as to what's happened and kind of, uh, helping to corroborate what, what Sandy's, um, you know, got in her, her case law or her case, that she's uh, came up with in her, her own research. So Sandy, I'm going to turn it over to you and Michelle. And uh, if I have any questions, I will be sure to um, ask them, but I, I really want to hear your guys' take on, on this situation. Right. Uh, once again, I want to thank you um, uh, for, for taking the time um, and sharing your knowledge with us and, and giving us a platform, uh, which Charles Miller who is the incarcerated individual in Broward County, Florida, um, has never before had. So thank you for that. Uh, I would like to start out by saying um, he was sentenced in 1998 to life without the possibility of parole uh, for the murder of Wayne Ward in Broward County, Florida. Um, He's in the Taylor Correctional Institution And there have been two hung juries, a mistrial. There was absolutely no murder weapon presented in court. Um, And I have in front of me certified court documents 
um, and the crime laboratory analysis reports. Um, Carl Hammerley, the firearm and tool mark examiner, signed on September 1998 that all the casings from the gun, which was used to murder Wayne Ward, that were found around the vicinity of the crime, not one of those casings could be linked to Charles Miller in any way. Also signed uh, by the DNA specialist, Lynn Baird, on February of 1999, blood samples. The the victim was wearing handcuffs. Uh, Blood samples were taken from those handcuffs that he was wearing at the time of his death, and blood samples from the vicinity of the crime scene. Uh, Absolutely none of the the blood DNA evidence could link Charles Miller to this crime. None of it. Also, um, Eva Souter, she was the latent examiner in 1998. And again, uh, in her own uh, court testimony in 2002, out of 38 fingerprints found around the scene, on the vehicle, on the defendant, on the handcuffs, out of 38, four uh, were found to be that of the victim. Um, Absolutely not one fingerprint matched Charles Miller, not one. So we have no blood DNA evidence that matched, no fingerprint evidence that matched, and we have the casings from the weapon that could not link him in any way to this crime. So, in 2001, uh, Lynn Baird, again, who was the DNA specialist, uh, took samples from the right and the left fingernails of the victim, and those samples were found to only uh, match that of the victim himself. And Charles's alibi, um, and Michelle can well attest to this, he was not even in that vicinity at the time of the crime. We have seven other individuals, at least seven other individuals, that can attest to Charles's alibi. He was not even there. Okay, it, it is so confusing to me why this was not uh, just absolutely dismissed from the from the beginning. And I will tell you, there were several witnesses that testified, and at least six of those witnesses were incarcerated individuals. Uh, I have excerpts from uh, from other prisoners that knew these witnesses uh, and these excerpts from, from handwritten letters, which are certified, notarized, and I have those. I'd like to read a couple of those, too. Uh, but um, he has, they did not, these witnesses did not know Charles Miller. They, they did not know him um, well enough. Some of them may have known him vaguely. But some of these people that testified were incarcerated individuals who did not even know what he looked like, didn't, didn't even know what he looked like, didn't, didn't know him at all. So I want to read to you, this is an affidavit um, of Gerald Powell. I may be pronouncing that name wrong, but I'm just going to read a tiny bit of it. He also told me that Eric lied when he testified that Perry Diaz told him 
Coop Miller, which Coop is Charles Miller, and Eric and Ed Aldred did this crime. And Eric lied when he said Coop did this crime. Kenny told me, that's Kenny Gardner, told me that he hated that he lied. But this is how the game goes. If a person wanted to get their time cut, being in the feds, and that paid off because he was sentenced to 12 and a half years and only did eight. And Eric got 10 years off his sentence. I want to, I want to stop you right there because that is, that definitely is, um, a, the conspiracy law in itself is so flawed. Um, because, how you the way that they do this is they just take a story from somebody and a lot of the times when you're in federal holding and you know fighting your case and and you're you're in there with a bunch of people that are trying to figure out a way to get out of doing their time and so what they do all they have to do is if they know anything about your your crime or if you've gone in there and you've talked about what you've done you maybe talk to your celly or something like that and mention details of of it, but not really, you're not saying you did it, but you can pick up a lot of information off of somebody who's just telling the story and all you need is that. And if you're somebody, I mean, these guys don't give a, don't care about each other. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's doggy dog. And so you could literally get together with three people, corroborate a story, turn around and call the, 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 whoever it is and say, Hey, I got some information about X, Y, and Z. And so that just seals the deal. There's no actual investigations that happen other than the fact that they just take this story and say, okay, well, now here it is. They supersede the indictment. They now add this charge to it. They add that charge to it. And when you go to your next court date, now all of a sudden you've got this list of things. And it's like, what? I've never did any of that. I've talked to at yeah. least 10 people so far that are in federal custody right now under conspiracy drug drug charges. Same thing. You know, you're taking the word of a criminal that's being incentivized to tell the the federal government whatever the hell they want. And that's prosecutorial misconduct. You know, that's misconduct on the on the uh, on on the uh, on the investigators, on the DEA agents, on anybody who's involved with that on the federal level. It's coercion and it's, and it's wrong. I mean, ah, oh my God, how is that even possible? That's what I want to know. How is it even possible that that, that, that law that was, that was created for Rico basically, you know, for, for, uh, career criminal type kingpin people that they couldn't get because they were so insulated by all the people around them that they created this law. Uh, for prohibition and basically it was, uh, for prohibition and, um, uh, who, who's that guy? The uh, Al Capone, that's where it started. And then it went into the mob and everything else, you know, following that. But I mean, it, it's being misused so badly in so many different places. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Uh, uh, this next excerpt comes from Nelson Del Rio. This was from, 2003, and he was also incarcerated uh, with one of these, uh, you know, prison snitches, which is what I'm going to refer to them as. He says, I know of Rafael Gonzalez, Dan Hutchinson, and personal. They lied about everything about Mr. Charles Miller, because I was there for the plotting and fabrication to frame Miller without even knowing 
who he was or what he looked like. Plus, they were waiting for a picture of Charles Miller from the friend, quote, agent Christian to be able to identify him. So, whoever this agent Hold on, hold on. Is that your dog? Mm. Yes, I'm sorry. Is that your dog? Like, is he dr- he's drowning out everything that you're saying. Oh no! Let me shut the. Let me shut the. Uh, yeah, yeah. Could you? The door. All right. Yeah, sorry about that. I just want them to be able to hear everything, uh, without without the distraction of of your 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 fur babies. <laughs> <laughs> I have one too. <laughs> All right, so we're we're waiting on that. So so far, Michelle, how how I mean, how how is it? Um, like I, I couldn't imagine knowing that somebody's innocent and they're and they're having to serve. Like how many how many years has he served so far? They picked him up in nineteen May nineteen ninety eight. Ninety eight, and he's been there since then. May twenty third, I want to say. Um, since 1998, um, I was four or five months pregnant with Karen, our son, and um, it's been a up battle since then. Um, trying to write appeals, trying to get someone to listen to our story, and um, just haven't had any luck. And so here's our opportunity to tell our story. Was he? Was he? Uh, uh... Did he have any enemies or was it just, I mean, how, like, how did he get in there to begin with? I mean, was it. Well, um, Charles had some previous years that he spent um, in prison. Um, And when he came home, I didn't know him before then. I met him after he got out um, out of prison, Um, but he came out running, trying to do the right thing, open up a car wash business, washing cars, trying to make, you know, make money for his family. And um, this this neighborhood that we that he was living in, um, it's a small community. And so I think that's where it started from. It started from um, people that sitting in prison, like Sandy said, read before, and just wanted a way out. And they thought that was their way out. So he, he wasn't even, he, he wasn't there. So this was all, so if I'm understanding it correctly, this was all conspired while he was out by people that were in and bringing right. his name into it because they may have known him or, or maybe they were right. jealous because he got out um, and was making something of himself and decided they wanted to, you know what I mean? Try and, I mean, there's always, you know what I mean? There's always more to the, to the, to the story. You know what I mean? Yeah, when, I, when, I really can't tell you what they're, how did they come up with it? Um, I really can't tell you how they come up with it. Um, yeah. my thing is just, I just think that they just saw it was a way out and the guy that got murdered, um, he was a, I think they say he was a drug dealer. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure. I don't know that to be true. Okay. 
right. So but basically, you, it's just a, it's just a case of the, like what I was saying is that they just yeah. they just got some names and they never bothered to investigate it any further. It's like okay, exactly. case case solved. Let's go. Exactly. Let's move exactly. on. That's, and, it, and it's important to know he wasn't the only one arrested for this murder. There were four four arrests, right. um, and the others are uh, have all been uh, released. I think there's one that might still be serving time, but it's not related to this crime. Yes, it is. Um, it is. It's, it's, is it? Yes. Yes. Perry Dees um, is yes. serving a life sentence. Well, yes. Okay, yeah. so Sandy, go ahead and continue with with your presentation. Um, I was just trying yeah. to fill in fill in some of the uh, airtime there. Yeah, thank you. The mailman was here. <laughs> okay, so as I was saying, this is uh, from Nelson Del Rio in two thousand and three. Um, he says, "From what I know of Rafael Gonzalez, Dan Hutchinson, and personal, they lied about everything about Mister Charles Miller because I was there." for the plotting and fabrication to frame Miller without even knowing who he was or what he looked like. Plus they were waiting for a picture from, of Charles Miller from this friend quote agent Christian to be able to identify him. So these people who are, who were getting ready to testify against Charles Miller were waiting for a picture so they could see what he looked like before they testified against him. Hmm. And then I have one final, um, one final. This is actually, and Michelle, uh, correct me if I pronounce her name wrong, please. Uh, Nika West. Right. Mm-hmm. Nika West uh, was uh, the victim's significant other, and she was pregnant at the time of the murder. Uh, she was one of those that was arrested, and now she is free. Uh, but they tried to get her. Uh, to testify also. Uh, And what she said was, I understand I lied on my last statement only because Detective Tim Dugan and Juanita Reed told me what to say. I have been asking for a lie detector test or whatever needs to be done to prove myself innocent. I really do not know anything and I am not about to testify on innocent people. The only person I know is Eddie Aldred, and that's all. I do not want innocent people to be put away for something they did not do. That is from the victim's significant other. I think that's huge. Well, I mean... It just goes, it just goes to show, I mean, like, it, this isn't the first time we're hearing about these things. Uh, it, it's coming like more and more, it's becoming more and more obvious that what really happens in these situations is that they're, they're more interested in just getting somebody for the crime. Doesn't matter who it is. So they can, so they can close it, get a, get a conviction and their conviction rate stays up. So they keep getting that federal funding. The more convictions that, or callers that, um, you know, these, these agents, uh, have is their stepping stone to promotion. I don't know what the amount is, but I mean, there's always, there's always a mechanism of incentivization for people to, to do wrong, you always, know, always. you yes. know, and if, if there's a way that they can cheat the system and not have to like go out and do real detective work, like, like real detectives are supposed to do, right? Like we see in the TV, 
uh, you know, we see in the movies, all these detect, ah, we're going, we're, we're knocking on doors, we're beating feet on the concrete, we're doing this, we're doing that. That does not happen anymore. Maybe, maybe in some instances and in murders and stuff like that. But I guarantee you in, in a lot of these cases where they don't know or it would just be easier to just oh, call it conspiracy and, and, you know, get somebody's testimony that's willing to, uh, you know, be a dirt bag basically, you know, and there's tons of them there. I mean, jailhouse snitches. I mean, that's a common term. Why are they, why do they call them jailhouse snitches? Because they, they look for opportunities to get themselves out of trouble by, by lying and you have you have a plenty of ears that are willing to listen and not and not investigate. Yeah, and you know another thing uh, that that I I'm so concerned about is the situation of once someone is incarcerated, even if law enforcement um, and you know I used to be on the prosec prosec you know I used to be on that side of things. And uh, what I, um, I was a head legal secretary for a prosecutor. So I was in court three days a week. Uh, uh, clearly I'm no, no longer on that side of the coin, but can I, can I, uh, and, can and, I ask why? I mean, is there a specific reason? What, what made you decide to switch teams? I tell you, I, I have a Facebook group uh, for uh, women, uh, just empowering women. And someone approached me through that Facebook group and said, I need to talk to you. I need help. That was the, uh, the first person I, I advocated for. Um, after listening to the story um, of what he had, had gone through, uh, the impact it made on the family, uh, the, the looking at the case and, uh, and becoming overwhelmed uh, and distraught that it was so evident, clearly evident that he didn't commit the crime. Uh, the same thing is with Charles. You know, Michelle, Michelle has been physically ill, uh, just trying to get through this process. Um, and it's heartbreaking. So I was already out um, of that job before this came into my life because I had moved away and, and, you know, began a new life. So I was already out of that. But when this came along, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is clearly what I'm supposed to be doing because it's too sad to watch these people um, who are not, not even treated as individuals. They're just, you know, locked up and, and Charles, especially it's almost like they locked him up and threw away the key. Uh, This is the very first um, hope, a sign of hope that has been given to him and to Michelle and to their son and their family. He has a very close knit family and was raised by wonderful grandparents uh, for the most part until he, you know, had moved away from them, moved back in with his mother. That's when he started getting um, involved in things he should not have gotten into. Regardless of all of that, the crime we're talking about is this murder, and he is clearly innocent of this. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm I'm uh, so passionate about what I do, because I want to see uh, that these people get get noticed uh, that they get a chance to go back and have a new trial or even just uh, are released or, you know, I mean, 20 years of a life is is too much for anybody to bear when they have to sit there and know they didn't do it. Yeah. Well, and then there's not much relief either when, when you, you are released because you're innocent and it's like, all right, well now what, 
You know, it's like half of my, you know, my whole, most of my productive life is gone. You know, my, my, my wealth build, building ability, you know, through my, my labor, you know, how old is, uh, how old is, um, your, sorry, Charles, how old is Charles? Sorry about that. Charles is 21 today. He's birthday today. Happy birthday, son. Um, yeah, so he's 21 today and he has missed his, his dad. He's missed his whole entire life. And, and, and Charles senior, how old is Charles senior? Charles senior will be December the 10th. Um, he was born 72. So he was 43, 44. Wow. No, if he was born in 72, he's 47 because I'm 46. I was born in, in, uh, December, December 5th, 73. So he's a Sagittarius. So he's been gone. So he's been gone so long. Uh, long. I forgot how old he is. It's, it's crazy, man. It's really, really. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, so how do you? I mean, I'm uh, you. You. I mean, yeah. We our our time of living is a little bit longer, but I mean, you're you're the time. You know, to ah, that's so crazy, man. I just don't. I don't understand it. And I think the what's the most disturbing about it that I've that I'm starting to find because this isn't the first time that I've heard of somebody who's had somebody lie on them and actually, you know, the, some of the people I've talked to that they've been caught lying and cases have been dismissed or time has been lessened because of the lies that they told, but it doesn't go retroactive to everybody that they, they ratted out. It only goes to that person because the government has the burden of proof to get you in. You, the victim has the burden of proof to get you out when when something's come to light it's like well if you can't afford it and you don't know anybody in the law library or you don't have the ability to go and 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 do that research yourself in the law library you're you're screwed yeah or unless somebody is going to advocate for you or try to you know and that's flaw that's a flawed system because once one thing is is i mean they do this in uh in uh like let's say we were, we were doing uh, some documents, right? And one document was uh, found to be fraudulent. Well, from that point, everything after that is now considered fraudulent and void, right? It's no longer a binding contract because there was fraud. That was, that was a, a, an instrument to, to get that contract in place. So now everything else is, is, is dismissed down the road. Well, that's the way it should happen. If, if somebody, if they used, you know, uh, somebody, a criminal to testimony to get you in, you know, to prison for decades. Um, uh, I mean, we're not talking like five years. We're not talking, you know, we're not talking chump change here. We're talking serious time. Mm-hmm. So, Possibly a third of his life. Yeah. So let's, let's, you know. I, I want to speak more to Michelle, your experience and, and the, in the hardship that it's, it's created, uh, on you, whether it's financial health, um, you know, raising your child alone, not having a father in his life and a role model, um, was there acting out, uh, as he was younger? I mean, did you have to, I mean, cause a lot of that, a lot of those things are symptoms of, of a child that doesn't have, um, that's missing something, you know? Yeah. Thank God I was blessed with a amazing son. I have a daughter as well. Um, that Charles was a part of her life as well. Um, I had amazing son. Uh-huh. Only problem I I had with Charles was he was born with a disease called sickle cell disease um, d- disability, and it was so many nights, so many days. Um, 
that he we laid up in that hospital um, as a child. And so to go and be by myself and to do that alone for as long as we have, that's the heartbreaking thing. His dad was there many days. His dad will call. We'll be in the hospital. His dad will weep on the phone, not knowing why um, he couldn't be there with his child. I didn't understand. Um, so, yeah, that was the hard part. My son having sickle cell disease that he still has now that he's, you know, he, he's going to live with for the rest of his life. There's a deadly disease um, that we, we've been fighting against and not having his dad around. Um, it just, just so overwhelming. It just, just really, really overwhelming. Um, even his, even his mom, Charles's mom just passed away a year and a half ago with cancer. He's the only child on his mom's side, um, that she had to die alone without her son, you know, and hoping that she was praying every day that he'll come home before she passed away. Evidently that didn't happen. He's still locked up. He's still away. And his mom is gone. We had to bury his mom without him even being there, you know? Um, so yeah, those are the challenges that we have faced um these last 18, 19, 20 years, you know, since he's been gone. So did the uh did any of the investigators come in and since you were his a uh, uh you were his alibi, right? Right. And he was when he the time of the the crime was supposed to be committed, he was with you. So did they do a whole lot of investigating around that? No, not really. I, I, you know, I took to the stand. Um, but that was it. Like none of the prosecutor, none of the 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 agents came to to try and talk to you prior to that. It's no. just so. No. I mean, that that's really a, a testament to no investigation. No, you know, no. because if they took his statement and he said that I was with my wife. The first thing I would do is in somebody who's investigating something, I would go and talk to you yeah. and, and, yeah. and get and see and, and, and face to face and see if I can pick up any signs that you're lying. Nope. You know, no- the only time I went and saw someone was the prosecutor uh, right before um, trial. I sat down with them along with um, Charles's lawyer at the particular time, the state appointed lawyer at the particular time. Um, and told my side of the story and that was it. Nothing else. And what, what, uh, what, what city and state was this in? This was in Broward County, Florida. Broward County. Oh, you know what, man? There's not a lot of good stuff that comes out of Broward County, Florida. <laughs> I hear a lot of bad things. Like whenever there's some problem with something, uh, that's uh Wasserman Schultz, uh, uh, area, right? Right. <laughs> oh, uh, we don't want to get into any of that that I know about that lady, but um, yeah, it's not not a lot of good stuff coming out of Broward County, that's for sure. I mean, not I mean not the people, but just the corruption and everything that's involved in, within that uh, that part of Florida is just I, I've never heard anything good. So um, yeah, that's that's horrible, man. So what? I think is this the first attempt that we're trying to to make um, as far as uh, a plea, you know, to people and to uh, try to get you know the change. Is there a changenow.org org uh, web- website that we can go to sign a petition and stuff like that that have been created so far? Yes, there is. Uh, I I started it last night. 
Um, we've already got several several uh, signatures. So it, there is a, a petition, change.org, and I can send you a link to that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, send me that and, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll put that up, uh, in the description of this. Um, yeah, it's just, so we're in the beginning phases of this. So 90, you said 98, 98, 98, 2008, 2018, uh, 20, so that's 22 years being innocent and, like, oh man, that's crazy. And that just goes to, just goes to show you that I feel like the system preys on the weak, the meek and, and the, the, uh, the expression is ignorant, but it's in ignorance. It means uninformed. You know what I mean? You don't know what your rights are. You don't know anything. And they, and they prey on, I feel like, and this is my own opinion, that the judicial system and, you know, the law enforcement and everything else, they prey on the poor and, and the people that can't defend themselves, uh, to, to make that system run. And they do the same thing, uh, within the financial system as well. Uh, you, you saw what happened in 2008 where all these people lost their homes. Um, and a lot of them were, were melatonin skinned individuals that didn't know any better. You know, they, they trusted the people that they thought they should, and they ended up uh, getting screwed for it in the end. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, a testament to, you know, the conditioning of, of America and, you know, how people of color are just, you know, disregarded as, as being anything, you know what I mean? And that's a horrible, a horrible way to look at at things. And I, where we're at right now is a, is, is a symptom and a byproduct of that. You know, people are tired. People are tired of being victims or tired of being, being used. And it's not just, I mean, I feel like black and brown, brown folks get the worst of it, but poor white people are starting to see it too now. You know, it's, it's not really, it's not a racist thing. It's a class thing. You know, and, and all of the stuff that's being thrown at us, you know, and trying to convince us that it's racism. Oh, it's race. It's race. No, it's not race. It's class. It's a class war. It's not a race war. And it's about time that, you know, things are righted. The wrongs that have been happening to everybody out there need to be fixed. Um, and, and we need a system that's going to be fair to everybody, not just imposing things on the people that can't defend themselves. So I hope that we're going to reach some people with this and, and, and start the process, um, of, of writing this, because if you're a lawyer out there and you're watching this and this should be enough just to pique your curiosity and go, Oh, well, let me take a look at that. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get on Pacer. Uh, if you have an account, pull up the, uh, pull up the case file and start taking a look. Um, and, and, and that's all we can hope for. You know, we've got, we got some other leads too. You know, there's the innocence project out there that he's, you know, going to write a letter to or, or, or wrote a letter to, and we just got to keep putting that effort in, um, to try and, and, and boost the signal of people like yourself who are victims of the system that it was designed. You know, people like to say that, oh, the system's broke. The system's broke. Ah, it's broke. No, it is not broke. It is working exactly how it's designed to work. 
the problem is, is that it, it, it it's almost like uh, large scale agriculture. All right. <laughs> it's a huge machine and it sucks up everything as it's going through, through the fields and it's killing animals. It's killing little, you know, all kinds of things, but that's byproducts of the machine and, and the big system that, that, that runs that machine and our judicial is the same way. You know, it's, it's so big and it just, it has one function and that's to prosecute and, and punish, you know, there's no, there's no rehabilitation and, and in, in it whatsoever, unless you're going to re- rehabilitate yourself. And, you know, hopefully he's been in there and he's been, you know, reading and, and trying to do whatever he can to, to, to better himself. So when he does get out, because he will. He's going to get out. If he's innocent, he's going to get out. It'll get proven at some point. Somebody will hear this. Somebody will pick up the call and, and answer and, uh, come to, to help him. I believe, I think that's, you know, it's just, it's a slow process. And, you know, I just want to just add this to it. Charles, um, he tells me this all the time. And he said this morning, you know, his main concern is right now that the victim's family does not know the truth. That's his main. He's like, the victim's family don't even know the truth. You know, they thinking it's me and someone else is running around here that that did this. And so he's not even, even thinking about himself. He's thinking about even the victim's family after all these many years that they don't even know the truth, you know? So... Uh, and I, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Michelle. Uh, I I really want to give you a taste of who Charles Miller is. You know, in there over 20 years, I spoke with uh, Chaplain Sheets yesterday, um, who works very closely with Charles in in the prison. And this is just little keynotes that I learned from that conversation. He says of Charles, he has very high integrity. He is very respectful. He is very humble. He is, quote, the real deal. Uh, he works uh, when, when uh, young uh, people are incarcerated. He immediately uh, approaches these, these young people and says, I, I want to help you. I want you to, to learn. I want you to go through this program. I want you to do this. I'm here for you. Talk to me. He is very encouraging to the young people that, that are, are coming in. Also, He's teaching um, a faith and character program, which the chaplain actually approached Charles several times before Charles finally said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, So he's grandfathered in as a liaison between the facilitator and the group, and he is certified in a program called FIT, which is Family Integrity Training. And there are 18 facets um, of that program that that Charles is uh, teaching and helping others to go through. Some of those things are uh, how to cope once you are released, how to take care of a checkbook, how to do your financial uh, responsibilities, how to speak with your wife, how to care for your children, how to be a a top-notch individual in society. So I have no doubt that when he is finally free, I mean, he's going to be pivotal 
uh, to what we stand for, he's going to make a difference. Well, yeah, he'll, so he'll I, also be an asset to the community that he's released to. You know what I mean? Oh, because yeah. once, once you've gone through something like this, you, you, you automatically by default become a, an advocate because you're a testament to don't give up. You know, it's not over until it's over. Um, you know, and that's just kind of how we have to, we have to approach these things now. Um, and you know, I hope, and that's great that he's doing that because that's, that's, that's where I've been to prison, uh, not for that long a time, but I mean, I was there long enough to, to realize that I didn't want to go back. Um, and, uh, but I wasn't there long enough to deal with the behavior that I had, right. The type of beat, the criminality and everything else that I, that I had, I had, uh, accumulated to that point and that never changed. Um, so I think it's great that he's in there and he's basically a mentor, uh, to the younger guys that are coming in and, and they need that. They need to be able to talk to somebody that's in there and it's there for a long time to, to guide them through the process. And, and hopefully they don't get caught up in any of the other stuff that, that can go on in there that will give you more time, you know, and there are lifers in there that don't care about, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Don't care that you got an exit date. Cause they don't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since I'm not going nowhere, I need some more friends and, uh, that are going to be here as long as I am. And that's the mentality. And so you really have to be careful about that. And, and having that in there is super important because if you can keep them on that path, then you get dished off to, to what I'm trying to put in process now. And, and as far as reentry goes, cause I have a nonprofit that I'm start, trying to start for guys that are coming out. And we need those guys that are in there doing, doing long period, long stints of time to help with that process because it's it, reentry should start from the moment you enter prison or jail. It, that's when reentry starts. You know, you need to start thinking about how you're going to change the behavior, how you're going to, how you're going to function, learning all the things you don't need, you don't know, and then reinforcing that when they get out by teaching them again. You know, this is what you got to go do. This is how you got to go do this. You know, it's, it's, it's relearning how to be a man all over again, because somewhere along the line, it got corrupted, you know, and un for you, I wouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, he got out and he, he had done some time prior, but it looked like he had already figured that part out. Like, I don't want to go back. He just an unfortunate, uh, victim of, of the way that the system is designed and, and how it's flawed. Yeah. Just um, to say by his mentoring, um, every time a group of guys go home, he always give them my phone number. And um, they will call me back and say, oh, my God, I miss him so much. You don't know how he's such a great person, how he has changed me, has made me want to change for the better. And so, you know, he's, he's doing the right thing in there. You know, he's really doing the right thing. Um, now we just need him to come home so he can yeah. do the right thing at home. And that's a, that's a serious testament Absolutely. because, uh, you know, uh, Chaplain Sheets said the only time he ever sees Charles frustrated or, uh, or upset is when he reaches out to one of these young kids that comes in and. Uh, you're still on, you're still on. Go ahead. Okay. You just froze uh, up a little it, bit. 
Yes, yes. Is that uh, he only gets frustrated or sad when he reaches out to one of the young people that comes in and they have no interest at this point in doing anything more. So, you know, he's he's just a top-notch guy. On the right track. Absolutely. And that and that's really all all he can do because I mean he he has no incentivization right now other than the fact that that's just who he is. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's that says a lot because there's there's plenty of people that go in and just sit around and do nothing. You know, they just do their time and and really don't do a whole lot to help anybody else and and or help themselves at all. They're just, you know, a part of that that rotating door. You know, coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. This is my life. I'm coming and going, you know, so not having incentivization to me speaks volumes of, of, of somebody that they're, if that's just who you are, man, you can't hide who you are for 22 years. You know what I mean? At some point, the real you is going to come out if that's not you, you know? So we're at about 45 right now. Um, and I, I'm going to say, I rem- I was supposed to do this as a Facebook Live, and I forgot to hit it. So what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to put some stuff together, uh, and then I'm just going to do the – I'm just going to do it live uh, into the three spots today at some point, like maybe an hour from now or two hours from now, um, and then do the podcast after after that just to get this out there and going right now. I appreciate it so much. You guys really oh. – I really do – he has put so many appeals and so many things that has not gone his way. And so just hoping and praying um, that soon one day he could be able to come home um, to his family. Um, because I just feel that um, I wouldn't have stuck around as long as I have, if I know he had did this and I know without the shadow of a doubt that he did not do this. I I I know that. I will I wouldn't I will put my children on the line and any parent knows their children is the most valuable thing to them. And so I just hope and pray that somebody sees this, somebody hears this, and somebody just help us because we have did everything we can do. And it's Nothing else we can do now. So just hoping somebody hears this story, get it out there, um, and hopefully one day he'll be free. So, Dr. Michelle, you are an amazingly strong woman for standing beside of him all these years, uh, raising those children. Um, I'm glad you have a, a tight-knit family uh, that you can lean on when you need to. Um, and it is my pleasure to be working on behalf of you and Charles. I really appreciate it. So if, if somebody is out there and they are listening and they do want to help, um, how can they, uh, get a hold of, of somebody like, where can they go? Like, let's say a lawyer's listening to this and he's like, Oh my God, I'm going to take a look at this. Where, where can they go to contact you? Or, I mean, do you have his address and his, uh, where he can be, uh, reached, um, through correspondence? Uh, yes, Sandy, do you have his address you want to give it? Absolutely. Uh, now, since you're going to be going over this, do you want me just to send you the links? Um, yeah, you can send me the links to the, uh, to the, cha- the change. You, ch- you can do the changenow.org li- links. Uh, that'll be in the description. 
and everything that you're going to tell me will be in the description. I just want to, if you want to voice it, you can. I absolutely will. Let me, uh, and Michelle, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to come out and, and be a part of this as well. Absolutely. I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. You guys are doing me a favor by putting this out here. Um, just for so long, I just felt that no one would hear us. And so just to even get this um, to this point, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, there's a whole lot of people like me out there right now that are doing the same thing um, because this is a huge issue. I mean, just look at where we are societally in our own system and how I don't want to get into that. But I mean, it's it's obvious that things aren't how we think they are or should be um, right now in the world and, and in our own, in our own uh, country. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've had so many papers out. Uh, and I'm actually looking for his physical address. Uh, well, it's actually, I mean, I can give you his number. He is in uh, Taylor Correctional Institution. And it is in Perry County, or Perry, Florida, right? Perry, Florida? Perry, Florida, yes. And his inmate number. 775636. Yes. Hey, so you know that. You know that by heart. That's how long you've been. You've been. That's a number I bet you wish you didn't know. Exactly. Not by heart. So yeah, all of the Sandy, everything, everything will be available. So just you're going to have about an hour to hour to two hours to come up with everything that you need to email me as far as like information that you're going to want in the show notes. And in that way, it'll be there forever until he gets out, <laughs> out there, you know, where people can, can find, uh, his information, you know, and even if you, you know, I don't know if you, if you have information of somebody that you know that could possibly help him, um, you know, feel free to, to reach out to any of us, you know, I, I'm pretty easy to find out there. It's L I N K T R dot E E forward slash nowhere to go, but up my emails on there or any of my social media that you can reach out to me and I can put you in contact with Sandy or, or Michelle as well. So, you know, the, the main thing is, is that if you can help or, you know, somebody that can help or, or where to direct, um, you know, to organizations that we don't know about, cause we know about the innocence project. There's some other ones out there. It, you know, if you know of some organization that's, that's helping, uh, with these types of situations, please feel free to, to, to contact me that way we can, we can move this along because nobody deserves to be in prison that shouldn't be there. There's enough and trauma. I will most definitely uh, send links also of my information and Michelle's information. Um, and, uh, you know, you can all, always reach out to Charles through J-PAL. Uh, he, he would love to hear uh, words of support from anyone. He really would. Yeah, so you heard it. Everything will be available in the show notes as well. Um, again, thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Sandy, for, for being an advocate for people who, who don't have a voice. You know, and that's really what we're doing. We're, we're, we're amplifying the signal of people that don't have a voice and can't fight for themselves, really. And, and trying to get them the exposure that they so desperately need. 
Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. You're welcome. Much respect. And uh, good luck. Let's stay in touch. Um, let's uh, let's try and let's try and move this thing forward. Is is well, nothing ever happens quickly in the judicial, but um, let's try and do the best that we can to amplify this signal and and right the wrong here. So thank you for for coming out and sharing your story with me, and for the listeners, thank you for for you know same thing for listening and and you know any help that you can give would would be greatly appreciated. All right, guys, hang out for a second. Let me sign off. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.